Pulp MX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Keeper Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Keeper Tested. Here he is, Chris Keeper. Hey everybody, welcome in. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, street bikes, dual sport bikes, everything. Low prices, unparalleled customer service. And free three-day shipping, over 75 bucks. It's so easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of us out there who like to get parts for our four- and two-wheel vehicles, I guess. That's what you call it, right? I'm an off-road guy, so that's where I go. I get tires. I get goggle lenses. I get all kinds of stuff from RockyMountainATVMC.com. So do yourself a favor and go do that. Please, in the notes... Tell them that you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast and that you love it and you would love a discount code from them. Maybe that will help. I don't know. But it does help us. gets back. They know that you're listening and they know it's working. So thank you guys for doing that. And thank you to Fly Racing, of course. Light Hydrogen Gear, Kinetic Mesh, Evo 2.0, even the new freaking Fly Helmet. Have you guys tried it? Have you? If you haven't, you guys should. As you guys know, I wear all different kinds of helmets. And for me, it's probably the top three in my purchasing category. If I was going to go purchase helmets, they'll be in my top three. So go check them out. Fly Formula Helmet. Even if you're not a moto guy, and you, I get a lot of people listen to this podcast that may not even have a dirt bike, BMX bike, street, whatever, Fly Racing has what you need. Just go visit them, flyracing.com. Go browse around. There's tons of stuff. Hard parts even. So uh, WPS kills it. They're getting the job done. And I'm getting ready to go to summer camp, which means 2020 gear is coming, which means I'm going to be acting like a spaz. I won't be able to sleep at night because I can't wait for the gear season to start, which basically starts in about a month and a half. So July, end of July, I'll be going up to Idaho and getting a sneak peek of the gear. So I'm excited about that. Looking forward to see everybody up there and having some fun up in the mountains. So thank you, Fly Racing. Thank you, Race Tech. You need some suspension done? You need some engine services? I'm finally wrapping up my CRF 250R project. Man, there's a couple things in my life that have stalled out lately, and that CRF 250R was one of them. It wasn't Race Tech's fault. It was my fault. I had to get some Honda parts ordered. I lagged. Honda lagged a little bit, but we got them. That thing's going to be buttoned up hopefully by next week. That thing's going to be amazing. Can't wait to talk to you guys about that and uh, get you guys some information on a faster CRF 250R. So go visit Racetech.com. You guys want to get some suspension done, engine services, vintage bikes. Just get your seals Oil, bushings changed. Those are the guys that do it. I just had a guy stop in at Race Tech today, drop off some stuff. And Race Tech guys are cool. They just changed out a spring for him for free out of their day. So just quality human beings over there at Race Tech. So go visit them. Tell them Kiefer sent you. 
maybe get a discount. And if you guys are looking for a discount, email me anytime, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and we will get you dialed in, hopefully, with a discount code. If not, an email to get a discount. So that's what we do here. We try to please you guys. So, hey, thanks for joining me. We're going to do this podcast a little different today. We're going to do a mashup. If you guys aren't familiar with what a mashup is, we're going to probably put three shows into this one show. So first segment on this show, when you guys are listening, it's all about the 2020 Yamaha off-road and motocross lineup. It just got announced today. I thought it would be cool to talk a little bit about what they changed. Um, There are a few models that have significant amount of changes, so we're going to be talking about that. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about Travis Preston. As you guys know, he is my good buddy. Unfortunately, he does not divulge any information until the embargo is lifted. Well, it was lifted, and I bothered him today and got some of his thoughts about what the YZ450F, actually the 2020 YZ450F, feels like compared to the 19. Talk to Mike Ulrich from Yamaha, and we talk always talk about quality human beings. Uh, man, Yamaha has some really good people over there, and... I would say Travis is a really good test rider, and if you guys haven't ridden a Yamaha lately, you probably should, because I would say some of that change and some of that, for the better, I guess I would say, uh, is due to Travis Preston and Stephen Butler and the guys over in the R&D department. Those guys do a good job. I was a part of them, I would say, what, 2006? 2005 to 2009, I was a part of a little bit part of the R&D process over there and accessories and helped some with production, but uh, I know a little bit about their R&D program, and it's always a solid one. So um, I thought it'd be a cool um, show to talk about what the changes were, some of your guys' questions that I got today in my social media, and we'll just talk a little bit about it. So I I haven't written one, so I can't really tell you exactly, but I can kind of give you some insight on the changes that they made and why I think they made them. So that's what we're doing for part one. Part two, we're going to be doing all about a goggle shootout. You guys haven't visited pulpmx.com? Go visit pulpmx.com right now and read about the Armega goggle versus the Oakley airbrake goggle versus the Scott Prospect goggle. So 100% Oakley and Scott did a little shootout. It's basically a wide peripheral goggle shootout. People say, how come X-Brand, how come Liat's not in there? Well, X-Brand should have been in there because they are a goggle proprietary company. Their wide peripheral goggle is not out yet, so I couldn't really test it. And Liat is a gear company, and I wanted to leave those companies out of this shootout and just basically get down to goggle-specific companies in the shootout. So I feel like those three companies are a huge player in the goggle industry, and those are the three goggle companies that most people, I'm not saying everyone, most people go to besides X-Brand. X-Brand's one of those as well, but they weren't available. So we did that shootout. I wrote a lot of hours, tested a lot of hours, put it up over on pulpmx.com. You can go to keyforinktesting.com and also read it. And last but certainly not least, Tusk Wheel Set. That's been a hot topic over there on keyforinktesting.com. We're going to talk about the Tusk Wheel Set. Is it tough? Is it worth the purchase? How does it match up to some other wheel sets that are out there? Maybe some more expensive wheel sets. So we're going to be talking about all of that stuff in this mashup podcast. Hopefully you guys like this format 
I thought I'd try something a little different, get some more content on one podcast, and we're back. No more racing. We're back to test mode. Thank God. I want to live my life three laps at a time, not 30 minutes. Woo! It's nice to do that. So, all right, so stay tuned. Listen up. Here we go. Okay, guys, all you Blue Crew guys out there, 2020 YZs have been announced. The 2020 cross-country models have been announced. So a really exciting day. Well, I don't know how exciting it is for you, but I was pretty damn excited to hear about the YZ450. I kind of knew, well, we all kind of knew that it was going to be changed, the YZ450F. Travis Preston, one of my BFFs, does not talk. Actually, me and Travis do not talk about dirt bikes, really, when he comes over the house. So we may talk a little bit about dirt bikes, but he knows there's things I can't talk about. I know things... Um, that he can't talk about, so we just don't even bother. So we basically, uh, our relationship is not even a dirt bike relationship, which is kind of nice. So, um, But I did call him after I knew that the embargo was lifted. I got some of his thoughts on the YZ450F, so let's just break it down. So there's not a lot of changes to the YZ250F, okay? Actually, zero. Maybe some suspension changes, but the Yamaha YZ250F was changed last year, so there's not much to talk about for you YZ250F lovers out there. So let's get to what everybody probably is listening to this podcast for, the YZ450F. What did they do? So let's start with the chassis. They made some rigidity balance changes within the chassis. The chassis itself, from what I am told, the shape of it hasn't changed. So if you're trying to look for frame to frame from 19 to 20, you're not going to see that much difference. What you will see if you have a keen eye is the tubing itself. The tubing itself, rigidity balance areas um, that I was told is around the tank rails and the engine cradle. Um, what, What does that tell me? Okay, so what does the Yamaha lack in? The Yamaha YZ450F lacks in cornering um, ability. I wouldn't say cornering stability is down, but cornering ability. So what is cornering ability versus stability? Cornering ability is the ability to get the bike into the rut, keep it leaned over, and stay there and feel lightweight. Cornering stability is how you're rolling into the corner and what the bike feels like once it's in the rut. If there is a nice rut, the 2019 YZ450F is fine. It's trying to get into that rut that makes it tough. So, I'm guessing, I feel like they possibly softened up the rigidity um, on the engine cradle and then probably stiffened it up near the tank rails to help that lean-in cornering stability and make it a lightweight feel. Uh, the, the bike is heavy, right? It's, uh, it feels heavy when you're trying to push it into a corner. If you have a tight corner and you're really trying to push hard into it, the 2019 bike kind of wants to float you out to the outside once you're trying to get out of it. I bet you that's what they're trying to work on. They're probably trying to get the rigidity to where this bike really tries to feel lightweight from side to side. That is a huge component that's missing from this Yamaha. If it's a bermy, flowy track, the YZ450F is amazing, okay? So I spend a lot of time riding all of these 450s back to back to back when I test for a manufacturer. We always go, we have baseline bikes, right? 
We have the the 19 KX450. We have this 19YZ450. We have a 19 Honda. We have a KTM. And I ride these things, you know, three laps, three laps, three laps. And, and I have, and what I, like we talked about in my racing, how much I sucked in my racing because I had to take different lines. With testing, I'm taking the same exact line, right? Hitting the same bump on the same, same lap all the time. But with different bikes, you really get a feel of what these bikes do. And what the Yamaha does really well is go straight line, hitting bumps fast, pretty consistent. Um, and it fl- if there's a Burmy type of track, super flowy, it's hard to beat a YZ450. I don't know how many times I've been testing and they said, man, this Yamaha's good. If only it was a little bit lighter feeling. So I think with the rigidity chassis changes, they're trying to get some of that side-to-side lightweight um, feel back. And, of course, they had engine mount changes as well for 2020. So there's a lot of chassis changes. And for you guys out there thinking, oh, if it's just rigidity, the, the frame is still the same, but it's just rigidity changes and some mounts, it's not a big deal. Bullshit. It's a huge deal. If they left... If they just left the, the frame alone and did just engine mount changes, that's a huge step right there. So getting different rigidity balance in different areas of the chassis and changing the engine mounts, it's going to feel like a completely different machine. Guaranteed. I haven't even ridden it yet. And these were my thoughts before I talked to Travis. But that is crucial for this bike. I've heard some faster guys um, that, that ride a YZ450 say, hey, man, when you really start to hang it out and push it, it's kind of scary at times to ride. I really don't get that feel because I'm probably not at that level, and my style is a smoother style. Of course, technique is always optimal for me when I ride, so I don't get that out of shape on a YZ450F. I feel like it's pretty damn consistent. For a production bike, it is my favorite production bike to ride. It's right out of the box. Uh, I love a, a Husky and a KTM, but I have to do a couple things to them to make me really like it. If I'm just going to go buy a bike, and I said this on these live shows with Pulp MX, is like I'm buying a Yamaha just because of durability, and I can just hop on it and go. Look at Weimer is riding a YZ450F now. Sleater, he's on a YZ450F now. So there's something to be said for this bike, and hopefully this 2020, the changes that they make with this chassis will make it better for the cornering um, the less cornering uh, guys who can't really get into a corner that well. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I watch my buddies ride, and I'm like, dude, your cornering technique's a little off, and the Yamaha will just exacerbate that because it's not the easiest bike to corner. That's why you see older guys riding Hondas and shit, just because it's an easier bike to corner. It's not really an easier bike to go fast on, but cornering is pretty damn good, so... That's the reasons why I think they're changing with the chassis and those things that they they did. The engine. Cylinders changed. Internal parts. Piston. All these things have changed. So you got a brand new head in there. I talked to Mike Ulrich a little bit about that. And uh, they tried to work on connectivity and smoothness and to create more power. So that has changed. I also talked to him about if there's anything interchangeable on this bike. He says, yes, most of everything from 19 to 20 will interchange, such as wheels, suspension, all of that stuff. You can interchange that. Um, The only thing that you can't will be the head pipe. There is a different head pipe 
mid pipe to, to to muffler will be the same, but obviously the head pipe will be different because the cylinder head has changed. So um, and the head, so you know that will be something you can't just you know slap on a 19 head pipe and and go for it. So with all these changes, okay, that the YZ450F has encountered. Oh, let me let me throw this out there for you guys as well too. Suspension settings. When you see guys on these spec sheets, yeah, hey, KYB, new suspension settings. Don't just throw that to the wayside either. Suspension settings make a huge difference. So from what I've gathered, talking to Travis and Ulrich, which they didn't tell me, I would gather that they firmed up the suspension, so less wallow feeling. That was one of my problems with the 19YZ450F once it's broke in. Pitching. Off-throttle sensation, getting into a corner, things like that. So KYB, new suspension settings. I also hear that spring rates are the same as 19, so it's just valving changes, not spring rate changes. So again, 19 to 20 spring rates are the same. They just worked on probably stiffing up the valving while trying to keep the comfort. I think they're trying to aim more towards a faster rider, um, less pitching, try to keep that chassis flat coming into corners, which is huge. It benefits all of us. I think that benefits all different types of riders. Um, so don't just throw those suspension suspension settings to the wayside. All right, so when I talked to TP on the phone today, I just said, hey, man, I don't want to hear the Yamaha freaking lingo. I don't, don't be a corporate guy to me. Don't try to pitch me on the bike. Just tell me as a test guy, as a rider, what the hell the feeling is riding from a 19 to 20. And I took some notes down. These are the highlights of what TP said. He said, straight away, what you're going to notice right when he hops on the bike is engine character and chassis character. Well, I said, well, Trav, thanks, man. That completes the whole fucking bike. Awesome. Thank you. No, he's like, look, I have a lighter weight feel. On paper... I, I was told this. It's only one pound lighter than the 2019. Only one pound. But the what they changed in the chassis and the engine changes that they made to where the engine character is different makes the bike feel lighter than one pound, okay? And how that happens is what you guys would want out there i'm trying to relate this to you guys out there what you guys would want is a is a lighter weight feel side to side movement and what that means is change of directions that is a, a a category on my test sheet when i go to these tests ease of direction changes how well does this thing maneuver if i want to cut down off of a rut if i see oh shit there's some bumps i want to move real quick how does the bike react? Is it easy to just fucking flick around? Okay. Well, he says this 2020 is much better in that area, which it needs. So that checks the box right there. He said the cornering character, when he leans into a corner, it feels a little bit lighter. And what most importantly, what he says to makes it feel really nice is the connectivity to the rear wheel. He says he has a nice linear throttle to the rear wheel feeling will just feel super connected to the ground and i said oh like a ktm and he said yeah like a ktm and if you guys are familiar with an orange bike it doesn't feel that fast but it's deceiving because you're hooking up you're connected to the rear wheel and i had a guy that owns a yz450f today ride my orange brigade 
he rode the KTM 450 SXF, and he said, dude, I came out of a corner, and I didn't even think I was going to clear the jump, and I overjumped it. That is because of connectivity. That's what we want. We want connectivity where it makes us riders um, ride at a, at a smoother style. So basically what you're looking for is, hey, man, I want to work less, but I want to go faster. That's what connectivity to the rear wheel is. That'll make you, you know, your, drop, your lap times drop, and you feel like, I'm not even, that, I'm not even trying that hard. Well, according to Travis, this is what the 2020 does better than the 19. Uh, he also confirmed less pitching. I will concur that Travis is a big stickler about bikes pitching off throttle. Travis is a great rider. He, uh, he still rides at a very high level, and he's on the throttle hard and off the throttle hard to get in these corners. And what happens is the Yamaha pitches. He didn't like that. He wanted less movement in the bike. You watch guys like Roxin and, and Tomac and these guys at the Nationals and watch how their bike stays really flat when they get off throttle. You don't see a big dive in the front. Go watch these guys at a local track, at your local track, and see when they go off the throttle how much weight gets transferred onto the front end when they're off the throttle. It's a lot. So the Yamaha was known to move a lot in the suspension. Therefore, feel good on bumps, right? But when you're coming in the corner, you have a lot of pitching. 2020, Travis concurs that it's a little bit better. Um, another thing he mentioned, okay? He really wanted to, to drive this home to me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, but like I said, don't try to pitch this Yamaha sale to me. Just be real. And what he said was, man, the suspension feels a lot better for me. Travis is a heavier guy, and he rides hard. So what that tells me is I feel like the suspension is firmer, and you can hit stuff harder without getting a wallow feeling. Like I said, I've talked to some faster riders, and that was one of the problems with the 19 is it just kind of felt a little bit wallowy still um, and had that pitching sensation. So, like I said, you take it for what it's worth. I know we're talking to Yamaha guys, and they're going to pitch it to us like it's the best thing ever, but I feel like Travis is a pretty straight-up dude. We will find out ourselves in August when we get these bikes. I will not, like I said, I will not be able to ride this thing until August. 250S will be out in July. And uh, we'll dissect it further, and we'll see if Travis, what Travis says, is exactly what I'm feeling on the track. He is a little bit taller of a guy, but I'll see how you did, Trav. I'll see how your test riding skills have been. So I'm excited to ride this thing, man. It's a, it's a great bike. It won a lot of shootouts this year, so hopefully they did not go backwards. They stay, stay the course, drive forward, because... Uh, there's not a lot of changes to other 450s this year, and if, and if Yamaha gets better, whew, that's bad news for other guys, okay? So minor changes to the Honda, KTM, not, nothing going on there. Husky, nothing going on there from the factory edition. Cowie, we don't really know yet, but I would presume not many changes with the Cowie, but the Cowie's really good. I would say production form, the Cowie and the Yamaha really stood out, and that is the nearest competitor for this Yamaha, so... Uh, if Yamaha gets day and night better with these changes that they made, it could be a, some bad news for the other manufacturers in shootouts. So we'll see. East Coast, I'm coming for you. 
We're doing that up this year. We're not going to get shut down by a certain manufacturer this year. We're just going to do it. Excited. What about cross-country guys? You off-road dudes. What about that? Hey, two-stroke guys. Woo, 125X. Holy shit. Yamaha still involved in two-stroke. That's awesome. 125X. It's an off-road specific two-stroke 125. Dude, that makes you want to come out of retirement and ride some District 37 hare and hounds on this thing. So that's cool. So there's some special off-road specific things they have on this 125X. 18-inch wheel, O-ring chain. Same flywheel, nothing heavier there, but a different head, different timing, different power valve, and it's just going to suit the off-road rider better, which is very cool. Man, it's cool that Yamaha's recognizing that they needed to do something like the 250X and put it in a 125, so, so very cool. And also, the 250FX gets all the updated 450 you know, chassis changes, so now we're dealing with a lighter weight feeling 250FX, so... That is a fun bike to ride, guys. Michael Allen can concur. He's my off-road tester. He loves that bike. And now that we're going to have a 250FX with an updated frame and some engine spec changes, it's going to be even better. So good news for off-road riders. Pretty cool that Yamaha has all this stuff going on. You can go check them out at yamaha-motor.com. You can see all the models, read up about them, or... Simply go on to keyforinktesting.com and you can click on the bikes and read what they have done. But I thought that would be nice for you guys to hear what TP said, what I think about the changes, and maybe relate that to your guys' riding out there. Not everyone is the same. Not every track is the same. But we try to throw out testing terms for you guys out there so you guys can practice that at the tracks. And then kind of dissect your own motorcycle better. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to work on doing a couple classes this summer about how to test and how to dissect your bike better. So be on the lookout for that. I think that'll be fun. I Hopefully that will uh, be good for you guys out there. I know I've been getting a lot of emails asking, hey, do you do testing classes? I want to learn how to test better and get my suspension dialed in. So I'll be doing some of that here soon. And uh, so, yeah, look for the 2020 stuff coming in July, YZ250F, and then August, YZ450F as well as off-road stuff. We are going to try to do some more off-road things this year. Mike Lowndes going to help me more, and I know there's a need out there for you off-road guys. So Yamaha has off-road uh, covered, just like KTM and Husqvarna have. So I'm glad those guys out there still run the two-stroke flag. A lot of you still out there riding two-stroke, especially off-road. So very cool to see that is out there and thriving. So that's it, 2020. Go check them out on the website, yamaha-motor.com, and stay tuned to keyforinktesting.com for more information. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close, like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier 
when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right there on board with the KieferInkTesting.com, Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 60helmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. You looking for the best handlebar out there? Go to protaper.com. Do yourself a favor. Go look at the ProTaper Evo or Fusion Bar. Those are my go-to handlebars. Do it. You know what my favorite bend is? SX Race. I use the SX Race on 90% of my test bikes. I love it. Go check them out, protaper.com. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, B-L-U-D lubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil did some temperature readings it was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my yz450f compared to some other oils i've been running so the stuff is good they sponsor over 250 racers from enduro enduro cross hair scrambles utvs supercross now they got some supercross guys so go check them out bloodlubricants.com use the discount code kefer and get some percentage off your oils they'll ship them to you probably get a hat or two you know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out, bloodlubricants.com. We're back. Let's talk goggles. Here we are, goggle shootout. Stay tuned. What about the goggle shootout? Well, it's completed. It's up on pulpmx.com. If you guys are interested in a wide peripheral goggle, you don't know which one will fit your big-ass beak, 
or your face, which one ventilates good, which one fogs up, go head over to pulpmx.com or keferinktesting.com and read all about it. And if you don't want to read, hi, I'm Chris Kiefer. I'm going to talk to you about this shit right now. All right, 100% Armega, Oakley Airbrake, and of course, Scott Prospect. I will tell you guys, Scott Prospect lens is not the same as an Armega or an Oakley Airbrake. Oakley Airbrake and Armega are injected molded lens. A Scott is not. Right there is some clarity difference. I will tell you that right now. If you guys don't really give a shit and you're on a Lexan lens, you guys may or may not know about that. The difference between a Lexan lens and an injected molded lens is simply clarity. And you're thinking, hey, whatever, I'm on an Iridium lens or I run a clear lens, it it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. It's a different type of clarity. It is much clearer. Look at my right eye is trash. I can barely see out of it. My left eye is 20-20. Sometimes when I'm in a Lexan lens and I have seven tear-offs on it, I can barely see, especially at night. I'm getting older. It's hard to write at night because these lights out here in Southern California tracks suck. Well, when I have an injected molded lens clear at night, dude, it's a whole, it's a different game changer for me, man. Like I can see, I can see the holes. I can see it's a little, little better in the shadows. So it does make a difference right then and there when you have an injected molded lens, high definition lens. Now I know Armega has a hyper lens and Oakley has their prism lens. I'm still a clear guy. I still like clear. I like to have a clear view. I don't need uh, anything enhanced. I don't want the bumps to pop out more. I can see the bumps fine if I have a really high definition clear lens. So I'm mostly a clear guy, but I did run both of their their race spec lenses, I guess what we will call them, with their hyper and their, uh, that's what I should say, 100% has that hyper lens, and Oakley has their prism lens. Uh, I do try the rose on the prism lens, which is pretty good, and it pops the bumps out, but I still, like I said, I'm a, I'm a clear guy, and uh, I just feel like, for me, I don't need to spend $50 on one of their high, high-end lenses, and that's basically what you're spending when you're going to that lens. A clear lens is already expensive enough, 20 to 25 bucks, right, on these injected molded lenses. So, for me, I'm straight up. I'm I'm all about the injected molded lens, but I'm a clear guy. So I just want to get out there right off the bat. So let's just break down the prospect. The prospect is not as easy to take apart and change the lens out as the Oakley or the 100%. Straight up. So right then, I kind of rated it down. For those of you guys who don't switch out lenses a lot, I get it. It may not matter to you. So if it if it doesn't matter to you, just throw that to the side. Scott Prospect lens is tough. It's thick. It's a thick lens, and it's clear. It just doesn't have the clarity of the other two. But will I, what I do want to really point out with the Prospect is, man, it doesn't scratch as easy as the 100% or the Oakley. Sometimes when you guys run into tear-offs, or maybe you guys don't even run tear-offs, you're an off-road guy, you just do the thumb swipe, and you swipe over your lens. The Prospect doesn't scratch, I mean, hardly at all. It's amazing. I wash them. I, I abuse the lens a little bit harder than the other ones to see what it's like. And man, the Prospect lens holds up very nicely. So that is really, really cool to see. And the replacement lens is only 10 bucks. So right there, dude, 
you're doing with a cheaper lens, less cost, uh, it's, it, hel- it holds up. So you can buy two to three lenses versus one lens from the Oakley or the Armega. How about the foam feel? The foam feel is actually pretty nice. I like the foam feeling, the, the way it soaks up sweat. And I'll admit to you guys, I'm not a really heavy sweater even in the summertime. But when I was busting out some motos before my two-race stint at the Nationals, it was pretty hot in the 90s here. And it, it still is going to drip in the lens if you're a heavy sweater. I don't care what foam you guys have. Uh, and we'll get to the Armega and their special foam in a minute. But it doesn't matter. It's going to drip if you're a heavy sweater. So go to your wife. Hello, wife. I need some maxi pads. Or take your grown-ass testosterone man-ass to the store and buy some maxi pads because and then put them on the foam. That helps. No one's making foam that's going to soak up all your sweat, especially how much we sweat as men. And if you're a heavier guy, I've seen some of my heavier buddies. They sweat like a motherfucker. So that's not going to work. So buy some maxi pads, put them in there, and that'll help you a little bit. But the foam feel to your face on the Prospect is nice. I do like that. I just feel like the shape for my face is not the most comfortable. The Where the, where the nose is cut out, it just feels weird. It kind of rides on top of my nose and set in like the other goggles do. And it rides really low on the ball of my nose. My nose is bigger. I have a big schnoz. But I also have like a little Rudolph ball, like a little ball on the end of my nose. And it just kind of rides on that ball. And I'm used to a, a goggle that kind of rides up higher. And the Prospect just rides a little lower. I try to tighten the, the strap up, and that helps a little bit. But it still rides lower than the other goggle. So... Like I said, it's my face. I understand uh, other guys' face is different. I have Michael Allen. He's an off-road guy. It fits his face pretty well, and it rides up a little bit higher, but he still notices that it rides down a little bit. So uh, just be aware when you guys get a prospect, it might ride lower than you want to. So I rated it down for that, but I rated it up for the whole goggle itself is tough. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. The lens is good. The clarity is down, so I will rank it down for that. So when you do stack tear-offs on it, and it's anywhere between 8 to 9 or more, it really starts to distort my vision. So I really try to keep the, the tear-offs at a 4 to 5 level, and that is a better, um, it's a better way to see the track than it is with 8 to 10. So um, I know some of us that go out there in a moto have 14 tear-offs, I'm out. I don't do that many. The cost of the Prospect is only 80 bucks. That's, <laughs> for those of you guys listening, you're like, ah, my goggles, $30. Okay, look it. If you're in the market for these wide peripheral goggles, you're going to spend $80 because $80 is the cheapest you're going to find it. Scott Prospect is the least expensive wide peripheral goggle out there right now. 80 bucks. Do you get an extra lens? Oh, yeah, you get an extra lens. Woo-wee. Like I said, replacement lenses are $10. And the weight of the goggle is 138 grams. Do I have any fogging issues with this goggle? No, I do not. Uh, As bipolar as Mother Nature is, we had some of that in the high desert. And we went down to the 40s. No goggle fogging on these lenses. I love it. I love that it doesn't fog we are going to talk about some fogging issues with others. But 
and the rating score chart. Okay, so I did a one to ten rating. Ten being the best goggle ever. Uh, one being the worst. So if you're a ten, that portion of the goggle is badass. Ease of replacing lenses five. Like I said, not the easiest goggle to replace lenses. Lens clarity seven. Field of vision is nine. Has a wide peripheral field of vision. Is very good. Fitment and helmet is eight. Foam feel absorption is eight. Overall comfort fit on face, six. And ease of ripping tear-offs, nine. Yes, that is a thing, people. You guys can't rip a tear-off in the air, or if you're just learning, there are goggles that are tough to do that on. So just know that the Scott is pretty damn easy to rip a tear-off. All right, 100% Armega. Look at straight up, I wasn't 100% fan. I didn't like their other goggle and hated it. Never wore it. Pinched my nose. Gave me blisters. I'm out. Like I said, I got a bigger nose. The way they had, uh, I think they had a Racecraft and an Akuri goggle. I wasn't into, if I had to wear one of those goggles, I would have wore the Akuri, which is the cheaper model. But didn't like that one either. So I was like, oh boy, I'm going to try it 100%. What's it all about? And well, I really, really like it. 120 bucks. Expensive, right? Not as expensive as the air brake. Stay tuned for that. You get a bonus lens? Nope. Scott has you covered 100%. Didn't have a bonus lens in there. So replacement lens, $25 for a clear, $55 for a hyper red mirror lens. Expensive. Weight. This goggle is heavier than all the other goggles, 141 grams. We're talking about grams, right? It's not a huge difference, but... I'm trying to break down all the info for you guys here. It is a little bit heavier feel on your face. They do feel a little bit beefier, like sturdier. Um, this thing does not have fogging issues. Great lens, great clarity, um, clear. I can stack up to 10 to 11 tear-offs in this thing, and I have awesome clarity. It's very, very good. So nice clarity, wide peripheral vision. And this, they do have laminate tear-offs. And... They are a little bit difficult to pull, but we'll get back to that later. So how does the foam feel on the face? Very good. I would say it ranks second in the shootout. Oakley is the best, but damn, the foam feels really nice. They have a channeling system in the foam that's supposed to keep the sweat away. And I will have to admit, where I got the drips on the Prospect and the Oakley were down near the middle of my frame. This 100% Armega goggle has some channeling that kind of channels it out to the side of the, the goggle frame. Yes, it does do that, surprisingly enough. So when I had this Armega goggle on, I did feel like my sweat was dripping down the sides of the foam slash frame versus down straight into my lens. So that distortion that sweat was on the side very ends of the goggle and not near where i'm looking straight onto the track so that was kind of a cool bonus feature that i thought was gimmicky but turned out to be true so that was very cool armega sweat kind of pulls to the side i thought it was kind of bitching uh the fit i tried all different kinds of helmets i forgot to mention that you can look that on the website but i went through a bell and a rye a fly a showy, a 6D. I even had a Suomi at one time. I had, uh, what else did I have? I had a Fox V3. So 
All of these goggles fit into the port of these helmets very well. So when you think wide peripheral, you think, oh shit, it won't seal well. Well, these, these helmet companies are making these ports bigger and bigger and bigger. You can ask JT from Fly. They had to make the eye port big on the Formula helmet because all these goggle companies are making these wide peripheral goggles. So yes, it fits in there. It seals well. I had problems with dirt getting the older 100%. Safe to say the Armega is much better with the foam and the ventilation, and it doesn't allow dirt inside the lens. So I thought that was excellent. Uh, what else can we talk about with this thing? For me, I would say like foam feel, like we talked about being second. I wanted to mention when there is sweat, like you're sweating and the foam gets a little bit wet, the foam is actually a little bit better when it gets wet. I know that's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but usually it doesn't change. I had the Armegas get a little bit softer foam feel um, after I've sweated them because usually when you sweat and it dries and you put the goggle back on, it has this crusty layer feel on your face. The Armegas didn't have that. So just note that if you guys sweat a lot. Again, HD vision. I did try the Hyper Red Mirror Lens. Eh, not a big fan. Like I said, I don't really see anything pop in or clarity much better. I'm just a standard clear guy. I like the clarity of the Armega. It is very good. And you can see a lot with a lot of tear-offs. Let's do the ranking. Ease of replacing lenses, eight. Super easy to do, guys. Like, there's a post. There's a tab. You pull the tab back. The post comes out. The lens pops out of the post. It's a done deal. Easy. Takes literally 20 seconds to change the lens out. It's awesome. I just wish they would give you an extra lens in the box, which they do not. Lens clarity, it's an 8. Very clear. Field of vision, a 9. As wide as the prospect. Very good field of vision. Fitment and helmet, an 8. Fitment on face, 8. Like I said, it feels beefier, feels wide, but it fits in nice. The foam feel absorption, a 9. Like I said, it's very good foam feel. And when it gets sweaty, it actually gets softer. So note that. Overall comfort on the face is an 8. And ease of ripping tear-offs is 6. So we talked a little bit about that. Dude, it's tough. Uh, I think I ripped four off in the race because it was sticky. Uh, I know 100% is going to work on that a little bit for production. They're going to make a running change to that is from what I heard. And uh, for me, like, it's kind of sticky to rip the, the tear-off off. And I don't feel like there's enough meat. And when I say meat, like the end of the tear-off to grab it and feel it in the air. So I really got to pay attention of what I'm pinching and grabbing. But that's a minute thing. It's supposed to get a running change, so it should improve. We will get back to you on that at keyforinktesting.com to tell you guys if it has. But just note, if you are ripping tear-offs in the air, you better be damn good at it because it's a little bit tougher to do on the Armega. All right, air brakes. You guys know I'm a fan of the air brake. I talk about it all the time. I love it. Mathis gets pissed off at me because I'm wearing Oakleys. What the fuck, Kiefer? How can we not wear an X-Brand? Blah, blah, blah. Look. OG of the peripheral wide vision or wide peripheral HD vision goggles. OG. I wasn't on board when I was at Dirt Rider and they're like, hey man, this Oakley Airbrake, it's wide peripheral, 180 bucks. I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm out. $180 a goggle. That's insane. So Chris Dennison and I think Klinger went and 
tested them. I didn't get one for a while, and I wasn't too, like, pumped on getting I wasn't, like, excited. I wasn't like, I was like, whatever. If I get one, I get one. Well, I got some, and it kind of changed my life, honestly. It, it ruined me, and it ruined a couple of my buddies that never really had an air brake before. And then they were on just regular Lexan lenses, and they went to an air brake. And they're like, thanks, Kiefer, you fucking asshole. Now I got to pay for these goggles because they're that good. Pretty damn good. So if you guys aren't worried about it and you don't want an expensive goggle, then whatever. Just disregard what I'm saying. But if you're looking for a better goggle, a little bit more lens clarity, and really good foam, the air brake is hard to beat. It's an OG of all that stuff, like I said, and it's still damn good. For me, it wins this shootout. Not by much, though. I will say the Armega is pretty close, and the Scott's not that far back. If the Scott had a little bit better nose feel for me and a little bit more clarity in the lens, I'd say it wins. If the Armega was a little lighter feeling and I could rip tear-offs off easier, Armega's in. I will have no problem spending my money on either of these, but as always, I'm straight up with you guys. None of these companies pay me money. So I really don't give a shit. So I'm straight up with you guys. And even if they did pay me money, I would tell I would still tell you guys the truth. For me, I love an air brake. Where it ranks down for me is price. I'm not spending $160. I try to buy closeout goggles. Uh, $160 to $200 for a goggle is a lot of money. And there's not many people out there that can afford that. So that's what it ranks down for me. If I guess I should put it this way. If cost wasn't an issue... Oakley Air Brake is my pick. If cost is an issue, I'm still going with 100% Armega goggle because it is 60 bucks cheaper, and it's a damn good goggle. So I guess I should have rephrased that. But yeah, for the money, it's expensive, but you will be getting a lot of features. To me, best foam feel on your face. Sweat absorption is very good. Yes, it still will leak into your lens at times for your heavy sweater, no matter how much, but it does absorb a lot of sweat and it does dry fairly quick between motos so that is one of the pluses with the air brake foam another thing that i love is ease of lens changing dude it's a freaking snap you pull it out grab the post it pulls out pop pop done it's so easy i mean dude it's insane blah blah done tear-offs go on easy you can rip tear-offs easy the laminates are unreal Oakley laminates are very clear. I can stack 21 on this on a clear lens, and it's like nothing's on there. It's bitching. So the clarity that I get from an Oakley, the foam feeling, the fit, wide peripheral, it feels more compact, lighter than any other goggle in the shootout. And to me, the only downside to this thing is fogging. It does fog. If you're an off-road guy in the trees and it's wet and it's cold, Bring some no fog cloth because man, this thing fogs up like a son of a bitch and it's not cool. And if I didn't have, if I usually don't have no fog cloth in my gear bag, so I'm SOL. So I have to keep moving for this thing not to fog. And I know for a fact some of the supercross riders at night have some problem with fogging on an air brake. So if you guys are having a fogging problem, get a tool, a dual pane lens. They do offer dual pane lenses. Obviously, you're not going to get the clarity that you're getting with a single pane, you know, lens, but. Nonetheless, uh, fogging is an issue with this bike. So, like I said, 160 to 200 bucks. You do not get a bonus lens. You do get a pack of tear-offs in the box, so that's cool. $25 for a clear lens. $50 for a prism lens. 
135 grams is the weight. Fogging issues, yes, there is fogging issues. So just know that. And the laminate tear-offs are awesome. Rating chart, ease of replacing lenses. I gave it a 9. I should probably give it a 10. But I feel like it's not perfect. Dude, it's damn close, though. It's a 9. Lens clarity, 9. Field of vision is a 9. Fitment in helmet, 9. Fitment on face, 9. Foam feel absorption, 9. Overall comfort and fit, 9. And ease of rip and tear offs, 8. Like I said, it's a damn good goggle. It sucks at fogging and it sucks in price. So if you guys are looking to uh, get some closeout air brakes, do it. It's, it's worth the money. Get back to me, Chris, at keyforingtesting.com. Tell me how you like it. Actually, if you have any of these goggles, Prospect, Armega, Airbrake, hit me up. Let me know how you guys like them. If your review compares to mine, let's bounce some things off together. I like that. I like talking to you guys out there. I met a guy today at the track. We talked goggles. He read the review. It actually helped him. He went out and purchased some Armegas, so that was cool. And uh, I'm glad some of my reviews out there can help you guys. But for me... Money is not a choice. I'm going Oakley, Armega, Prospect. If I'm going to buy these suckers at Rocky Mountain, I'm going Armega, Oakley, Prospect. So those are my three. But hey, didn't get enough information. Go read it, keyforinktesting.com or pulpmx.com. Goggle shootout. Last commercial break, and then Tusk, Tusk. Thought I heard somebody call my name now. Tusk, Tusk. So a little known fact, I started racing desert when I was 9 years old until I was 16. I really didn't get into moto till after 16 years old because my family would go camp in the desert and my dad rode hare and hounds. Out here in the west coast, there was a club called District 37 and that's what we did. We went camping on the weekends. Uh, my parents build bonfires. They would drink. And my dad would go race, and I would ride around the camp and make a little track, right? Well, fast forward till now, 2019, you go to nationalhairandhound.com. They have classes for your son, your daughter, mom, and dad. It's not just dad. It's really cool. It's ran very well. The kids race the day before. Dad and mom can go race the next day and just have a family, fun-filled weekend racing dirt bikes. There's nothing better. Go to nationalhairandhound.com. Check out their schedule. They go to California, Texas, Nevada, Idaho, all over the place. Go check them out. If you have any questions about this series, chris at keyforinktesting.com. I'm happy to answer them for you and maybe get you a discount code on your next entry fee. Very cool. Again, maybe I will see you out at one of these suckers. I feel like I need to go race again, and I want to go relive my youth through nationalhairandhound.com. Go check them out. The one thing that bums me out about racing moto is waiting around all day just to do two or four motos. I don't want to be sitting at the track all day and have three hours in between my motos. Well, you know what? Old Timers Association has been around a long time, and the guys from Oregon Old Timers have come on board with this podcast and want me to talk to you about their series. Very cool series. I've raced them before. They have 20-minute motos, long motos, Usually you're done by 3 o'clock, you're in and out, you get to race, go home, finish your chores, spend time with your family, go do stuff with your wife, whatever it is. It's a fun, family-filled environment there. 
They have races all over. It's not just in Oregon. They have races in California, Glen Helen, Montana, Richland, Washington. They go to Hangtown. They go to Washington again in Washougal, which is very cool. And, of course, they go to British Columbia, Boise, Idaho, even Edmonton, Canada, and Fernley, Nevada. You can check out the series at OregonOldTimers.com, and you will even see me at a couple rounds this year. So check them out. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at VertexPistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. VertexPistons.com Tusk, Tusk, thought I heard somebody call my name now. Tusk, Tusk, that's right, Tusk Wheels. Listen in. All right, guys, moving on to the Tusk Impact Wheel Set. Man, this thing was a big topic over here on my website and my email. Sorry it took so long, but hey, guys, you know what? I like to actually ride my shit that I test. I don't know what other people do, but man... Just relax, dude. If I say something on Instagram, say, hey, I'm testing these, give me some time. I'm basically a one-man band over here. But I want to give you guys the actual test itself in its entirety. Okay? I had put almost 30 hours on these things. I went to several tests. I carried some Tusk wheel sets around me, had those with me, swapped the wheels out, went back to stock. Went to other sets of wheels, compared them, but basically almost got 30 hours on this Tusk wheel set on basically a 2018-2019 YZ450F, and I came away semi-blown away. Yes, Rocky Mountain sells these. Are they paying me to talk about these wheel sets? No, they are not. I just thought, hey, it's a, it's a less expensive wheel set, Right? And I know some of you guys out there are looking for that. And not everyone has $1,100 freaking dollars to spend on a wheel. It's insane. Not everyone has the liberty to spend that much money on a wheel set, especially when you're buying a $10,000 motorcycle, right? So for $550, you get a wheel set. You get the hub, spoke, rim. It's all ready to go. You got to stick, obviously, your sprocket, your disc on there. But you can order that through Rocky Mountain. Now, let me just tell you straight up. Is it something I'm going to go ride Supercross on and just hammer? No, I probably would not. But if I'm an average guy, which is 95% of you guys listening to this podcast, they're fine. I hammered out moto after moto, several different tracks, desert riding, off-road riding. Surprisingly enough, held up really well. I am a huge stickler when it comes to rigidity on a motorcycle. Sometimes, and I'll give you guys an example. A60 rims, hate them. They're too tough. Yeah, they're tough, but they're too tough. I do not like them because it ups the rigidity of each motorcycle. It changes the 
handling character of each motorcycle that I've had them. Carbon, you know, carbon hubs. Hate them. Too stiff. I'm out. You want to know why? Changes the handling character of every motorcycle that I've ran them on. Too stiff. So I found a balance. I, some, I ran some DID STX rims. Those are good. This tusk rim is very good. Now, are you getting a little bit more rigidity with these tusks? Yes, you will. But it's not that much more where you're going to be like, oh, my God, my bike feels super rigid. Like, I, I, I can't even ride this thing. I felt that with the A60s, man. I was like, every bump I felt, I felt everything on the track. I had to change my suspension settings because I felt more the track with these A60s than I did on the Tusks or these other DID STX rims. So, look, if you guys are looking for a spare set, you guys want a spare set of rims, or let's just say, hey, I'm going to put these on and keep my stock set as a spare set, so I have to change tubes of the track, or if I'm out off-road riding, blah, blah, blah. They're great to have an extra wheel set around. It's great. I tell my buddies, oh, I got a flat. Dude, you spend a $10,000 on a motorcycle, 500 bucks, get you an extra wheel set, and you can just swap it out, and your day's not done. You know? Because I know you're a pussy, and you ain't going to change a tube in the middle of the day. So just change out your wheel, 500 bucks, and save your day, and you have a good day of riding. So 30 hours, I had a little bit of whoops. And when I say whoops, those are like dents in my in my rim. But dude, I'm hammering, over jumping stuff. I was actually doing stuff on purpose to see how it held up. There's nothing more annoying than when you're going through the air and you feel your front tire is going to fall off and because you got such a huge whoop in your front tire and your front rim. Whoop, 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 whoop. And you're like, holy crap, my front end's shaking like a mother. Well, didn't get that feeling with these tusk wheels. Yes, it got a little bit of a hoopy, got a little bit of a whoopy, but it wasn't that bad. I kind of trued it out with um, truing the spokes, doing that, and it was fine. Um, they have several different colors. The black rims look bitchin'. If you go to keyforinktesting.com, you can see the review that is up on my site and how it looked on the Yamaha. Makes the bike look bitchin'. But, of course, there is a slight negative, and it's not even that bad. It's just they're a little bit heavier wheel set than stock. If you go to keyforinktesting.com, you can see the difference of um, the wheel set. And I'll tell you guys what. Look. They're not that much different. It's only a little bit. We're talking ounces. And if one rim is less, just less than a pound, big deal. Honestly, don't think you guys are going to be sweating it if you guys are spending $500 on a wheel set. If you guys are looking for lightweight and all this trick shit, there's other places to go to do that. But if you guys are looking for practicality, I want an extra set of rims. I want my bike to look good. I want these wheels to last me a long time. These Tusk wheels have done it so far. So like I said, I only have almost 30 hours on them. I want to plan. I really want to try to get up to 50 before I have to give this Yamaha back. Okay? But so far, so good. Not really an issue. What I do like is the bolts. I use a little bit of red Loctite on my sprocket bolts and so forth. But I've had other bikes, a.k.a. Hondas, use blue or red Loctite in the hubs, and they get kind of warped out because the sprocket bolts get a little bit loose, and my hub's done. So far, I've checked my sprocket bolts on my Yamaha with the Tusk hubs, and no problems. So not a huge deal for me just to check it with an open-end wrench, 
still very good. And uh, man, for me, like it's a good buy. I would definitely keep these things around. I think what I'm going to do for the 2020 motorcycles, I basically want to get an extra set of wheels with Tusk on each bike and just kind of go back and forth on them and see how they are. And I know I only tried, I've been on Tusk on a Yamaha and I've also tried them on a Honda. For you guys out there that are on a Honda, rigidity is is a tough thing to come by, right? Because you're already on the cusp of it being too rigid. I wouldn't worry about these Tusk hubs being too rigid. I liked them. It wasn't a huge deal. I didn't change much. I actually felt like, uh, for me, it's funny because when you have a little bit heavier of a wheel, it kind of makes the bike feel planted a little bit more. And to me, I felt like with the Honda, I didn't feel this with the Yamaha so much, but with the Honda, with these Tusk wheels, they are a little bit heavier, like I said, Front wheel's not that much heavier than a stock one, but the rear wheel is almost a pound heavier. It just makes the bike feel a little bit more planted. So the Honda needs that. It needs to feel a little bit better straight line stability. These Tusk wheels help that a little bit. I noticed that. As crazy as it sounds, wheels do make a difference, guys. So just like suspension and everything else, everything you do to your bike affects something else. So just know before you buy parts, either A, email me or listen to some of these podcasts to see if you're going the right direction because I want you guys to have a comfortable, safe motorcycle. I don't want you guys to have some rigid piece of shit. I saw a kid today that bought a Suzuki and he has neck and clamps and twin wall bars and his whole front end is just rigid. I'm just looking at that going, Bleh. bro, you got to get that thing softened up. You're going to deflect and head shake when this track gets rough if you want to pack up by 9 30 and bail and go home then that's fine but if you're riding past noon dude soften this thing up a little bit get some comfort so i'm trying to get that information out to you guys you know so i think some of that's been missed in the media testing world at least so um yeah no problems here with comfort guys so don't stress on it yes they are tough i get some messages saying oh mine fucking broke they're pieces of shits it's hard for me to trust those kind of people, man. Like, who knows? Yes, there are exceptions to every rule. The best bike might be a piece of shit for someone, okay? But if it's a 99, 98% success rate, to me, that's awesome. I've had quality parts go bad and just fluke things happen. So I'm not going to sit there and listen to these uh, social media trolls saying my thing broke and it's a piece of trash. So... Things happen sometimes. I've ridden it. I can put a little check mark by it that I've abused it enough to kind of stamp of approval to give you guys out there say, hey, it's safe to race, safe to ride on. Um, unless you're riding supercross and, and jumping and flat landing, dude, these things are fine. They're great. So you can check them out, RockyMountainATVMC.com. Email me if you have any questions. I'll walk you through it, kind of guide you, help you rub your back, whatever it is, no problem. So if you're in the market for some less expensive wheel sets, these things are safe, these things are tough, no problems. Again, support the sponsors that support this podcast. It keeps this sucker moving, running smoothly. I love doing these for you. I get a lot of people coming up to the van at the tracks saying they appreciate what we're doing here. And honestly, that means the most to me, dude. I love helping you guys. I love that you trust me enough to purchase parts from the things that I say that are good. I take that to heart. That's no bullshit. 
I'm not getting rich over here. I always say this in my podcast. I do this because I come from a background of helping people, and I like genuinely like helping you guys and seeing you smile and saying, hey, man, thank you very much. Had a guy today, just a quick story before we get off here. I always get sidetracked, but a guy came up to me today and said, hey, man, thank you for everything. You've done a great job. I bought a Husqvarna Rockstar Edition because of you, but my wife hates you. I love that. I love that you bought something, but your wife hates me. That's fine. I will take your wife's hate, but I will take your happiness. That's what I like. I like that you got the motorcycle. You found out that you loved it just because you were talking about, hey, I think I want to get one. I'm going to listen to this podcast, and you believed in me to get it. That's awesome, man. So thank you guys so much for listening. Our downloads are up. It's awesome. Thank you. And uh, we'll keep this sucker moving. We'll do some more fun stuff coming up. Like I said, we're done with racing for a bit. We're back to test mode, so more information for you guys out there. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do some more lifestyle podcasts as well. I know we do a lot of testing-based stuff, but we're going to do some more how-tos, all right? And maybe some average Joe racing things, some average Joe trail riding things, just some blue-collar stuff. I'm going to take it back to my roots as well, so... Stay tuned for more information, test, fun, laughs, slightly some after dark at times. But thank you. This has been the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. See you guys next week. Thank you.